And now, live from the shadow of America's mountain, this is Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. Welcome to Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today is a very special guest, a very special co-host, actually, today, uh, Chris Como. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing incredible, Heath. Thank you for having me. I feel blessed to be here, and I'm super excited to share a little bit. We'll see what happens when we get into it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. And for those that are watching and are missing a couple voices, uh, Ethan is not able to be with us today. And Michael's on vacation. So uh, we thank Chris for stepping in for us and uh, doing the co-hosting duties and also being our first guest on the testimony series that we're starting. Um, and so we're, we're just really excited about that. But before we dive into today's show, like always, let's get into the housekeeping items. Of course, the first thing I want to mention um, as you're listening right now, uh, the music uh, the train in the background, of course, is provided by Rachel Storman and Destiny Music out of Rockland, California. And we love and thank them for the use of their music library. And, of course, we want you to check out the show's website, rmr.live, for all the latest information updates about the show. Uh, there is the Contact Us form for feedback, comments, suggestions, guest requests, all those things on the site. If you need prayer... There are two ways, of course, you can partner with us in prayer. The first is the prayer request form on the site. And you can also email us at prayer at rmrr.live. While you're on the website, of course, be sure to check out the link to relink to all of our socials. Like and subscribe to the YouTube page, um, as well as Rumble. And follow us on Facebook for additional content and information. And before we get into the show, we do have a couple uh, commercial advertisements for you, as we like to say here. Uh, we'll start off today with uh, Redemption Squad Ministries. Uh, Redemption Squad partnered with Shield 616 this last weekend. Um, Ethan and I actually had the opportunity to go and help put together provision boxes Friday night. Um, they met with uh, Springs PD and several other vendors um, at a location in the Springs yesterday to pass out provision boxes, um, clothing, I believe, and uh, Christmas toys. Um, through that partnership and I believe Redemption Squad had somewhere in the ballpark I think we put together like 200 boxes um, it was quite quite the thing um, also we like to mention on the show our good friends over at uh, Valentine Shoe Valentine Comfort Shoe excuse me our friends Sean and Amy uh, from Radiant Church uh, veterans who own the store um, and I'm not even going to try to get the address right because we never do so just look look down below um, if you need uh, an amazing set of shoes, uh, talk to Sean and Amy, or if you're just in the neighborhood and you need some prayer, they would partner with you in prayer as well. And finally, guys, finally, this weekend, Pastors Todd and Kelly released a launch party, Holy Rebel book. I've got oh, yeah. it here in my hand. I am so excited to be digging into this book. Um, you know, it's been a labor of love of theirs for about the last year and a half or so. Uh, God put it on their heart to write this book, and so... Uh, they celebrated um, last weekend, actually the weekend before last at Central Campus, they did a, um, a, a book release there, and then this weekend at North Campus and at Woodland Park in the evening, um, they held a big party with cake and balloons and photos and things. Um, you can check out the press release page on rmr.live. Uh, I did post something about that, a photo with uh, Todd Kelly, Ethan and I, and the book um, are there as well. All right, so all the housekeeping stuff is out of the way. Um, we can actually dive into this episode. And again, this is uh, the first entry into our testimony series. Uh, and, and many of you, if you've been paying attention to Ministry Moments, 
um, or you know, listening to him, watching him, whatever. Uh, Chris has been a regular uh, contributor to those, and we just thank him for that. And so Chris has uh, some amazing testimony for us today, and I'm excited to actually to hear this and to, to, to be a part of this and, you know, ask some questions and, and things along the way. So Chris, welcome to the show officially, finally. Um, it is great to have you on and I cannot wait to hear what you have for us today. Heath, thank you so much again. And this is, this is kind of a long time coming. I can't believe I'm actually sitting here in studio with you and this is cool. Uh, we were just praying beforehand and the Holy Spirit just filled the room Yes. So I know some good stuff's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and the testimony series, we overcome by testimonies and the blood of the lamb, the work that Jesus did and, and then how it works out in our lives. It's kind of how I look at it. So uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a piece of paper and uh, I sort of feel like Jonathan Kahn because just I've been praying about this and thinking about it over the last several days and just on the way over here. You know, they they say God's never late, but he's seldom <laughs> seldom early. Is that what they say? Uh, Something like that. I think God, God's just <laughs> on time. So he 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 downloaded these things, and here in a minute, I'll, I think I'm just going to read through this because it's so entertaining. The way it's like it's like chapters of a book. Who knows? Maybe okay. I will write a book about this. It's it's definitely right. worthy because the Lord's like I've been thinking recently about the fingerprints of God, okay. and what happens when God touches someone's life. And uh, deliverance happens, powerful things happen. And I'm, I'm even going to get into some of that, things that I didn't even ask for, and the Lord brought deliverance in, into my life and brought freedom into my life. Um, it's funny how it, he does that. <laughs> <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Yes. Where the sun sets free is free indeed. Free exactly. indeed. It's amazing. Like, are we free indeed? If there's more freedom, I, I want it. I want to be free to, uh, I, I was talking with Mary earlier, my wife, Mary earlier this week about kind of making some jokes about it in him. We live and move and have our being because we actually physically have to move. And so I sent her this old, old clip of an old oldie, but a goodie song that I, I, I'm tempted, but I'm not going to go into singing it. But, <laughs> uh, when I got saved at 17, which is like 28 years ago, uh, it, it was just an upbeat song and she didn't quite catch the joke, but in him, we live and we move and we have our being like everything that we do should be in a spirit. And even, even today coming on this, like I, part of me wanted to come on and share what God has done. But the other part of me is like, if the Lord doesn't empower my words and uh, it's kind of like the old mo movie, Tommy boy, I, I'm like sputtering out sentence fragments and lighting things on fire. That that's my that's my main form of communication. Okay, now that I've got that out of the way, let me let me read these chat. Let me read these chapters. Literally on the way over here, I had about a half hour drive to get over here to the studio. Uh, this, and I was at a stoplight, honestly, and the Lord downloading <laughs> stuff. And I may have even, so. I can't remember. I, I may have pulled over. Uh, okay. So in utero slash the calling, entrance of rebellion, air quotes, the party slash the dream, the beat down, mm. the apartment slash the neighbors, the thoughts of suicide, the car wreck, 
the cigarettes, the throw up. <laughs> that's that's more than you think it is. <laughs> okay. The, the intervention of love. That's a good one. The coin flip, the worship night, bass guitar, and the, the last one, which there's more, but the last one I wrote down was the worst speech ever. Okay. <laughs> so so these are the things I'm going to I'm going to try to hit. Okay, so the calling like talking about a testimony and what God's done in my life, it's hard to know like should I start at the beginning or should I start at the end? But our lives our lives and even the people that listening and watching this uh your life, you are figuring things out that God has planned. The gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. Like they don't change. He knows the plans that he has for you. He has this calling on your life. He has a calling on my life and I'm still learning about it. And I know a lot of it, but it's still unfolding, right? Okay. So the calling, I now know a lot of what that calling is. And so a little teaser, like that calling is to be a pioneer. Uh, That calling is to push the kingdom forward. Um, like the scripture says, from the time of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God has been suffering violence, and the violent take it by force. And that translation, it's, it's a little bit hard to get into, but there's a fight. There's a fight. Like even tonight, there's, there's crazy stuff going on in my own life, and I know that it's a spiritual battle because right. the Lord, the Holy Spirit's telling me that people are going to get free and they're going to they're going to experience more of God through this testimony, maybe even experience salvation. Okay, so the calling when I was in my mother's womb. There's a song that says, "From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Your blood thro- flows through my veins." Uh, and I'll, I'll be tempted to sing stuff, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I love worshiping the Lord with music. And maybe I'll bust out with some actual music and, and singing at some point. But I'm going to try to leave that to Michael. And <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, so, so when my mother was pregnant with me, my dad was a pastor. He was an associate pastor at an AG church in Dallas, Texas. And he uh, was... Uh, offered a position. Uh, some people from that church had gone down to Houston, Texas, to plant a church, and uh, they had they had a plurality of of elders. Basically, they had a handful of teachers, but they they needed a lead pastor, and so they reached out to my father. He prayed about it. He felt like he was supposed to do it, and then, uh, but my mom was pregnant with me, so they they felt it prudent to wait till I was born. So when I was not even yet breathing oxygen, or at least not from the air, uh, there was a calling on me to be a part of pioneering works and church plants. So they moved down there. They did that. My dad pastored that church, I think, seven years, six or seven years. Um, But as the enemy has a habit of doing he likes to throw a monkey wrench in the works, and, uh, and I can't really get into that, but um, the, the, I will say about that first experience and growing up in that, that church a little bit till I was seven, um, there was miracles, there was things happening. They built a church building uh, several years into it, and one of the gentlemen that was working on the building, he was about three stories up, I think welding some steel, fell from this girder, fell, I think about 30 feet 
landed flat on concrete, oh, wow. um, died. He was dead on the ground. I don't know how long he laid there, but uh, my dad was there. Some other people were there. They went, laid hands on him, prayed for him. Breath came back into him. He, wow. He ended up going to the hospital anyway. Um, he, he was a white guy, a Caucasian guy, but he was so bruised that I, I think he ended up, he, he, he looked like he was African-American or, or like really dark. His whole body uh, was completely bruised. So you know that, I, I can't remember how many bones he broke in his body, but uh, I think there's more healing. Anyway, that was when I was just a little kid. And so that's the kind of, that's the kind of church I grew up in. Okay. Except for what the crazy thing is, I don't ever remember experiencing the presence of God. I remember being there, seeing people, like just observing, just observing. But it was like there was this thing going on outside of myself, and I'm just observing all these other people. And I never remember experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Um, I never remember experiencing conviction of sin that comes from the Holy Spirit. None of that stuff. So. Uh, moving forward to the next chapter, Entrance of Rebellion. Uh, my parents ended up getting separated and getting divorced, and that just blew my, my mind and my, my, blew up my world of what I thought these Christian people were supposed to be. And I, I think I was about eight years old. Okay. And my parents were separated. And I lived with my mom. We, we stayed in that same house, and my dad had moved out. Uh, but he, every other week, I think he was coming to pick... Uh, pick me up with my brother, my older brother. I'm the youngest of four, uh, but he was coming to pick us up for church on a Sunday morning. And I remember, I didn't, I didn't remember this until after I got saved, which I'll, I'll jump ahead was 17. So uh, uh, I think the Lord reminded me about a decade later, but when I was sitting there just waiting for my dad, looking at the front door, I remember thinking, none of my friends go to church on Sunday. Nobody else has to get up early. Um, Everybody sleeps in, they watch cartoons, they do this fun stuff. And I had this thought, and I, I believe now is from the enemy, planting the seed, which would guide, unfortunately, misguide the next nine years of my life. Um, but the seed of rebellion, and I just, I thought, I know God's real. I think I've heard enough about what it's going the second coming is going to look like, you know, before Jesus comes back. And I believed all these things. I believed God was real. I even knew he was real, but I didn't want to serve him. I wanted to do the better thing, which is serving myself, hmm. <laughs> which is the lie from the beginning. Like Pastor Todd from Radiant Church talks about that a lot. The right. lie. It's been a little bit, but he talks about the lie that we should be as God, right? Right. So, so that is the lie that came from the enemy. And I didn't have, because I wasn't born again and didn't have the Holy Spirit in me. I didn't have any defenses against it. Nobody else knew. I didn't tell anybody that I had that thought, but I'm like, I'm going to do my own thing. And basically kind of with that was, I'm going to look however I have to look to slide by and make people think whatever they want. But that was the entrance, I think, of the spirit of rebellion. Okay. And I did It makes sense. I didn't, yeah, uh, I didn't actually realize that until the car ride over here just tonight. And I'll, I think I'm going to tell you about the exit of <laughs> the spirit of rebellion too. <laughs> uh, praise God. Okay. So, so that was it. Uh, my dad had some struggles and, 
uh, ended up moving uh, from Texas to Louisiana. I didn't see him as much. And I went down that road and it was interesting that I gravitated towards probably the worst people that I could. There was a kid on the, uh, around the block from me um, and he got me into, let's see, I think we started smoking together, uh, introduced me to pornography, uh, a lot of cussing, a lot of bad music. And I think I was like 12 when I met him uh, and, and just some bad stuff. And then from him, I went to like, as I went from um, junior high to high school, just worse and worse people. Like the, the worst kids in school ended up being my friends. And, and I don't know why that was, but I, I believe the enemy saw my life. He saw this calling of what God had, and he was doing his best to, to push me into these corners of, of darkness that he was trying to destroy me. Um. Well, if if I can really quick, um, you know, something about your testimony there really, I just want to want to mention that it seems like the things that you went through are very common in um, children of divorce. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, parents separate thinking that they're doing the best thing for their kids because they're going to be happier and all those things. And nobody really talks about or spends time talking about the impact on the kids. You know, they just assume that the kids are going to be better, better off because mom and dad aren't fighting or whatever's going on in the house anymore, that it's going to be a better situation. But oftentimes that, um, that sense of abandonment, that sense of loneliness, that sense of loss is felt in such a way that as kids, we don't know how to deal with that. Um, and it's actually interesting that you and I have a very similar testimony, although, you know, I wasn't smoking and some of the other things that you got into, but, but definitely, you know, uh, my parents divorced at a young age. And, and so that, that sets a tone for things to happen in your life to allow some of these negative influences in to, um, to, to impact your world and, and kind of derail you. And the, the enemy looks for those and uses those um, because his job is to, you know, uh, to kill and destroy and, and just basically sidetrack you from, um, from God's plan for your life. And, and so, you know, it, what you're, what you're describing here is a very common, un, uh, unfortunately a, a common thing in a lot of kids who, uh, you know, byproducts of divorce. So not, not surprising at all hearing what you're saying in your testimony here. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good insight, Heath. And I'm 45 and I'm looking back on this now <laughs> and like, okay, this is, this is what it did to me. And this is how I processed it. And like I said, just on the way over here, like I got another glimpse. I believe the Holy Spirit gave me another glimpse of some of the spiritual aspect and how those things entered. Um, yeah. So, so I'll go into a little bit more of, of kind of the, the downward vacuum motion <laughs> that hell was trying to pull me down into. Uh, but definitely a lot of people say, you know, there's the God-shaped hole within our soul. Right. Um, that that only God can fill, and we try and we try to fill it up. So you know, the sex, drugs, rock and roll—that pretty much was was my story as a teenager. Became became a criminal. Uh, wasn't you know wasn't from a wealthy family at all, and so uh, I, I became a thief and got into other deeper things: marijuana, LSD, aka acid mushrooms, you know, hallucinogenics, basically, uh, trying to have an experience 
experience that would it's just you know these are all coping me- mechanisms and right. and things like that um so i was in i was in the party scene uh so the beat down this this is kind of interesting and uh the party, the dream, uh, the, okay. So these three things, a party, a dream and a beat down all, all go together. So that's getting, uh, also known when, when I was growing up in the nineties, a teenager, uh, a beat down or getting jumped. Like we heard occasionally growing up in Houston, it was pretty hardcore, you know, somebody walking down to, to the grocery store or going to Wendy's and, Bro, did you hear Daniel got jumped outside of Wendy's? I remember hearing that one day. No, that was Jeff, my buddy Jeff. Uh, one of the really bad influences in my life. And who knows, all his friends and parents probably think I was the same to him. Uh, but yeah, it was hardcore. But this one night, um, we went to this party. Uh, it was supposed to be a party. It was just around the block from where my mom lived, where I lived. And me and a couple guys went there. And there was, there was just like five or five or six people there uh, and the party hadn't really got started. And so we left and we were going to come back later. So, uh, so we, we did that. And when we came back, we were all, me and my friends were intoxicated. I think I was probably like 16 at this time. Wow. And um, I didn't know it, but the people that were hanging out and drinking and getting high and all that stuff at this party were some of the worst drug dealers and Clear Lake City, part of Houston where I lived. And earlier that night, I I, I had blonde hair at that time, uh, shaved on the sides and kind of long on top. Same haircut, same first name, guy named Chris Finch, who also was a punk like I was. Um, I haven't talked to him. I don't know where he's at. I hope he's alive. Uh, but he had, he had stolen things from a lot of these drug dealers and they wanted to kill him. Oh, wow. And so I show up and he had actually, he was at the party earlier that night because he knew the girl who lived there, whose house it was. Uh, but they, they like tried to jump him. He actually, re- he got away. He cl- The story goes, I didn't see it because I wasn't there at that time. He climbed up a fence, got on the roof, climbed up and over <laughs> Up, up and over the roof, down another fence, and somehow got away. Okay, so maybe an hour later, I show up, and people are like, hey, Chris is here. Okay, so I walk, I, I walk up to the back door, and there's another guy who does know who I am, and he had a beef with me or whatever, and he pushed me. It was There were spiritual things going on, and it, I, I got to tell this story to get into it, but it was the weirdest thing ever. Okay. I don't know what happened because I was I was kind of drunk and a little bit high, but I was standing at a, at the back door and this guy David who wanted to fight me, uh, he was right there, and I said something to him. I said, uh, "I guess the party's going to move outside," and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's like from a movie. The party's <laughs> going to move outside because I'm like I know that we're, there's about to be a fight, and I'm going to be in it. Uh, this dude was bigger than me, but I didn't even see anything happen." All I know is he somehow pushed me and I flew like eight feet back through their covered back porch and landed in the grass. And that was like 15 feet away. Oh, wow. So either someone inside ran as fast as they could, hit him, and then he hit me and I flew back. 
or something spiritual happened, which I think it's the latter, but I honestly don't know. Um, but uh, so I'm on the ground. I'm like, what in the world just happened? He comes over, starts kicking me in the stomach. I grab his foot. I pull him over. And like I said, he's bigger than me. And I actually got on top of him and I thought, oh, I'm going to win a fight for once in my life because I'm <laughs> kind of the scrawny little guy. Uh, and right then the whole party, all those people that thought I was this other Chris, um, they, they jumped me and it was bad. So, so I got pounded on and th this one guy named Jason, uh, this one guy named Jason, he was a big football player guy, but also uh, kind of in the bad crowd. He got on top of my chest, and he was just grind, ground and pound. Is that what they call it? I think Grinding so. and pounding. Ground <laughs> and pound. Um, and, but the crazy thing is I heard – I'm going to have to like go from different, different angles here because this is such a crazy story uh, – I heard from a girl that was there and she thought it was the other Chris, but like months later she found out it was me and she was like, Jason was sitting on your chest punching you in the face, but every time he would try to punch you, he would get like pushed back. He's like leaning down, punching, and he would get pushed back every time. And she was like, it's, it was the weirdest thing. And I, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that was all about. And, and she was looking at my face. She's like, you don't even have any bruises on your face. Oh, wow. And I'm like, no, I, I didn't. But anyway, so, so what happened there? That guy, that guy did that. A friend of mine pulled him off, pulled me up, uh, and then I got jumped again. They knocked me to the ground. Uh, that kind of happened several times, and I ended up running off. And the only thing that I had was honestly a bruised tailbone. I had no bruises on my face, no bruises on my uh uh, torso. And I'm like, I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, Oh, I, was, I think there's a scripture that talks about being, uh, being drunk on wine or something like they beat me and I didn't feel it. Well, it was kind of like that. Uh, but I didn't have the bruises later. Like it was, oh, I, wow. I didn't know what to think about it, but I'm going to have, I'm going to have to jump ahead a little bit. Okay. So that's the party, the beat down. And here's the dream. Uh, can you remind me Remind me to come back to the dream. All right. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good, but it's going to tie into that. Okay, so that happened. I, don't, I didn't know what to make of it. I told my friends, you know, we, we all laughed about it. You got away. I can't believe you didn't die that night. Okay, then I just went down the, the party scene road, the criminal road, ended up dropping out of high school. That's a long story. I didn't want to do that. I actually was a pretty good student, but going to school high, uh, and trying to do trigonometry didn't work out so well. And uh, so I ended ended up dropping out, ended up moving into an apartment with some friends of mine uh, with a couple guys. And we had uh, a, a job like moving, which only lasted for a couple days. And then after that, we had an apartment, but no income. And so, you know, we're being criminals and trying to steal things and just living a horrible life. Um, and it turns out the neighbors next door to us were satanists at least one of them was there's two guys they wore black i could tell like my my thought process at the time was okay here's some goth guys they're depressed they got some issues um but while i was living at that apartment i i had found a gun in someone's car and i was just so 
I basically had attained everything that I thought I wanted. Had a pretty girlfriend who basically loved me and would do anything for me. Had a bunch of friends. Got high and drunk basically every day. Uh, never had a lot of money, but I had a car. Um, my mom ended up buying me an old Volkswagen Carmen Ghia for getting my GED. Uh, and and so, so I had that stuff going for me. But I really... I really came to the place where I realized I think I've experienced everything that I was wanting to. And I didn't go back to this moment yet, but that moment where that rebellion came in, like everything that I thought that was going to fill me up, that God shaped whole, it didn't. And I was just, I was more empty than ever before. And I remember sitting out on the porch outside that apartment next door to the Satanist. And I know there was <laughs> some spiritual stuff going on. Um, and I was contemplating suicide and thinking about this gun that I had. And and the, I remember hearing your testimony about some of these things. And so th this is just the tip of the, the iceberg without being able to go into all that, really. But I, I, I'm pretty sure I was going to do it soon after that. Okay, so God started intervening. This is where I know I can look back. And I know that God was protecting me. And I'll get into that a little bit more, but um, I did actually find out. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around so much. No, you're all right. I, I, the, like, if I don't say some of this stuff now, I won't remember later. But when I was at home living at my mom's house before I moved into the apartment, my mom's best friend came to town. She, my mom, showed her uh, my room, which I had painted like fire breathing skeletons all over and throwing <laughs> fireballs and and just like basically painted hell on my walls and they could just tell how demonic and how dark it was in the place that i was in and uh so my mom's friend ruth told her mom who i don't even know her name i never met this woman but after that she prayed for me every day Nice. She prayed for me every day. And I think that's part of the reason that party that I wasn't destroyed. I think she was one of those reasons. And my mom was in kind of a dark place. So my, my mom wasn't praying for me either. And I don't even know about my dad at that time. He had, he had a lot of stuff going on. So moving on. Um, so I came to that point and I think that was the end of the road. So I think God in his mercy allowed me to experience all these things that I thought that I wanted because his great love and his ways that are higher than our ways and his thoughts that are higher than our ways or thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. He allowed me to do that because he didn't make robots. He made people right. who can have the opportunity to love him and return the love that he has. So... Well, you so, know, there, there's, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there. There's just something in your testimony there that I want to highlight too. And that's the fact that, you know, when we're, we're hurt, we're broken, we're whatever. Um, we go down this path where we're trying to fill that void where we're, you know, drinking or drugging or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, sex, whatever it is. Um, and you find that nothing can fill that hole can nothing fill that void and so you you do more things and more things and more things trying to find you know some completeness or some wholeness or you know some some peace or something that really only you get from god and so it's 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 it was interesting that you said that in your testimony that, you know, that 
that whole void piece is there um, and that we do tend to fill, try to fill that mm-hmm. with other things. If we're not, if we're not saved and we're not chasing after him um, to fill that void in us, then we wind up going down these roads of destruction and mayhem and chaos and whatever else in our world. Um, and, and so again, a lot of similarities to a lot of, a lot of testimony that I've, that I've heard recently. So anyway, you were saying, yeah, yeah, that road, that road. And that's why I'm sharing it. Cause I know that there's people that are listening that will be like, that's kind of where I'm at right now, Right. <laughs> but there, but there's hope. So, because I came, so I came to this place. Then right after that, we ended up going to a Mardi Gras celebration down in Galveston. I wrecked my Carmen Ghia. Uh, couldn't get to the job that I didn't really go to anyway, ended up moving back to my mom's house. Uh, shortly after that, I found out, found out that my sister, Angela, who, um, uh, like I said, I'm the youngest of four. So she's number two in line. She had been down a very dark path as well. She did not tell me that the Lord had gotten a hold of her and that she had mm-hmm. gotten saved, but she said, Hey, come, come visit our cousin up in Missouri from Houston. And I'm like, I'm thinking, no, I party every day. I, I couldn't handle doing that. But I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a bunch of weed and I'll bring it up there and I'll make a bunch of money. That'll, that'll make it worth my time. Sure. Makes so sense. I agree- yeah. <laughs> so I, I agreed to go, I agreed to go. Uh, and then mysteriously, mysteriously, all my, all my drug contacts dried up. Nobody had any. And here I had promised, okay, so oh, no. that's not the only, that's not the only thing that dried up. Uh, it, it, it could have been a one day long, one day trip, but we stayed at a hotel. I knew I was going up there and I knew that my dad's brother, my uncle that I was going to see was a believer and I wouldn't be able to smoke around him. So I put my cigarettes out on the balcony outside the, uh, the hotel room. Well, the next morning, and I thought, well, if I want one in the morning, I'll smoke one more before we get in the car and he won't smell it. Okay. By the time I get there. Okay. I I came out and I had that thought, but I didn't want a cigarette. Okay. And I, I didn't, I smoke like half a pack a day, like 10 cigarettes a day or something as a teenager, 17 years old now, but I didn't want it. I thought that was weird. And then I got up there, had dinner with their family went out to see this rodeo thing. I ate the same food everybody else ate. And, and I, and all, all I know is that I'm around all these believers, but this urge to throw up came over me and I ran for the bathroom. I had like, this, it's kind of gross, but I, I had this, uh, this extra large cup in my hand, which was like mostly full. And I like, I got sick and filled that cup to overflowing. It was a bad thing. And I didn't know what that was about, but I'm going to come back to that. Um, in, in just a second, or maybe I'll just say it now, like spiritually looking back, God was working in my life. Yes. I didn't ask for anything. People are praying for me. I'd come to the end of my road and I could start crying right now just because the power of it, God pulled out cigarette addiction before I even asked for it. He, I think he pulled out that spirit of rebellion. I don't know what he pulled out, but something, think were coming out of me. Addictions were coming out of me before I even asked for it. Okay. So That's then awesome. after the, after that, I'm going to church, I'm playing like I'm not cussing around anybody because I grew up in church. I knew how to, you know, mind my P's and Q's or whatever. Uh, and so I'd been into a couple of church services, nothing got a hold of me. 
uh, heard the gospel, nothing got a hold of me. Then my family had this intervention of love. They sat me down and they said, Chris, Angela got saved. Basically, she got redeemed from cocaine addiction. Uh, we love you. We know all the stuff you're in. We know you're a thief. We know, and I'm like, oh, they think badly of me. I'm not really that bad, am I? But I was. <laughs> uh, but they said, we love you. We want you to stay here. We want you to move here and leave that crazy life in Houston. Um, so I wasn't saved yet, but I went into the room where I was staying, and I thought, I'll flip a coin. I, I need to do this. Either I'm going to kill myself or somebody else is going to kill me. I, I, knew, I knew that was true. And so um, I'm going to try to wrap this up before, before the end of the show here, and, and it's going to be good stuff. Okay, so I went back. I flipped a coin, and I thought, okay, best two out of three, three heads, uh, I'll stay. Okay, heads, heads, and just for fun, heads, heads, <laughs> heads, heads. I think I got to seven. I'm like, okay, God is calling me. Then we ended up, they took, uh, we went to a worship night, me and my cousin, the presence of God was there. They had an altar call and that was the moment. Like I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time in a worship service. That's why I love worshiping the Lord because I know his presence brings freedom. That freedom we were talking about at the beginning, Right. But I was so broken. I'm like, I, I was the, the prodigal son's story. Um, <laughs> I came forward. I was put, literally pushing people out of my way, trying to get up to the front. And I just wept for half an hour. And I, the only thing I remember praying was, Lord, if you'll accept me back, give me the gift of tongues, fill me with your spirit. So I'll know as a sign that you, that you receive me back. And I, and I, the Lord didn't make my mouth move or, or anything like that. But there was a guy named James who, who tapped me on the shoulder after I got up and wiped my tears. And he's like, Hey brother, I didn't pray this out loud, by the way, just in my mind. And he's like, Hey, just because you didn't speak in tongues doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't accept you. And I was like, mind blown. Like God read my mail. And anyway, from that moment, I knew that God was calling me. And he called me to worship ministry. He called my wife and I to, to church planting and, and things like that. And I didn't make it to the bass guitar or the worst speech that's ever, a, but I that's know a, we're coming to the end of the show. That's okay. <laughs> we're we're going to take a, a brief pause and we're just going to jump right back into it. Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. All right, fun, fun. <laughs> yes. This. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just gonna. I was just gonna remind you again. At at some point in this, you you said to remember the dream. So where did where does that come into play in all this that we've discussed so far? Okay. Awesome question. Thank you so much. Of course. I appreciate that, and it, <laughs> and it's worth it. Okay, so. So the church that my cousin and my aunt and uncle went to, um, Eastgate Church, uh, let's see, Church of Philadelphia, it was called at the time, then changed its name to e its name to Eastgate Church. Uh, I was I was attending there, and I was I was still seventeen, so it couldn't have been long after I was saved. Um, which I think was February of 95. It's been 28 years. I got, I got the baby face other than this gray stuff going on. <laughs> uh, I got the baby face, but crazy. It's been 28 years since I was 17 and got saved. That's awesome. So I was hanging out in the youth group. Okay. So that was probably a Wednesday. So the, the night before I had a dream. It was the most vivid dream I'd ever had. 
And I was with some people, but I couldn't see who the people were. I know, or I was in my dream. I was with one person. They were on my left, I think. And I never saw them. I just knew they were there. We walked up this, we were in a pine forest. We walked up this asphalt driveway. Everything was nice. It was a nice driveway, nice house. Walked up to this huge red brick house with like, I think it had a double car garage and then another double car garage next to that and then a triple car garage next to that and then it had a bunch of bedrooms above that and then it had a balcony with a pool overlooking the mountains kind of like what we see in the background but it wasn't mountains quite that big and and we walked around this house and i saw a few people and i saw specific things they had Remember the sunken living living rooms where you like walk in oh, a yeah. couple steps down, they have a fireplace. It had one of those. We walked outside, saw the pool, had like a wrought iron uh, uh, railing around the pool. And so very vivid, but nothing crazy. But I definitely remembered it. So I get to this youth group that night, that Wednesday night. And this girl, Jenny, said, Chris, I had this dream about I had this dream last night and you were in it. And I was like, was there a big red brick house in it? And she said, uh, yeah, I think so. It was at night, but it kind of looked darker than that. But I think it was, yeah, it was this big house. So she describes the same house oh, wow. and she describes me being in her dream with her, but it was a different time. It was later on. And when we went, we went to the party there, there was a party we went there. We showed up. There was a ton of people. Uh, we walked throughout the house, saw some of the same things. I saw some things in my dream she didn't see, and she saw some other things that I didn't see, but we saw a lot of the same things. Okay. Um, and then we left the party. We went back down that asphalt driveway, got down, we got down to the car, and then, uh, then these guys in an old hoopty mobile, I think it was gold, uh, what color was it? No, this was her dream, so I, I don't remember, uh, and I don't know if she told me. Um, but she said these guys were you know, sticking out the window, and they were about to shoot us. So they get really close. She, in the dream, she gets down on her knees and prays. And then, let's see, I don't know what kind of car they were in, but she said this gold hoopty mobile drove up, um, turned into an angel, came and picked me up and took me away. She was still there. She looked up and saw the drive-by guys. And then before they shot, she woke up. Oh, wow. Okay. If that wasn't crazy enough, she says, and my mom had the same exact dream I did at the same night. And you were in her dream. And me and my mom both had the same dream. Okay. And it took me a little bit to realize what that was, but that was a dream several months after I got saved of God telling me that party that I got beat down. The reason, <laughs> the reason I wasn't destroyed is because God sent an angel when I was like cursing his name and destroying my body and stealing from people and, and hating life and depressed and suicidal in my broken state. Like God loved me while I was yet a sinner. And he, I think in part due to that, elderly woman praying for me that I'd never met. And she's, she's with the Lord now. Uh, but that was an angel. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that that no. was an angel protecting me. And every time that guy was coming down with his fist, that angel was pushing him back and he was a big guy. 
Oh man. So that's the Praise dream. God. That's awesome. Worth the story, huh? Yeah, that was worth the story. Definitely. <laughs> and worth the wait. I've only yes. had one, I've only had one other dream from the Lord in my life that I know of that was crazy vivid like that. And I'm still praying about what that means, but I think tonight is actually part of it, but I'll have to get okay. to that later. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. It has to do with this, uh, these headphones on that's, that was in the dream. <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, so so the worship night, the tongues thing. Okay, so a few, uh, maybe maybe another six months later. So getting back to the gifts and callings of the Lord w- without repentance, like these things that he has mapped out and how he redeems things. God works all things together for good for those who who love God and who are called according to his purpose. I'm probably messing that up a little bit. It's just slightly, but you're close. You're close enough. For those who are in Christ <laughs> Jesus. Uh I think is in there. Um, my my mindset is going from New King James to ESV, and so I'm constantly like messing up scriptures because I I listen to audio Bible and they don't have the New King James, and so but it's kind of cool because there's different different flavors of uh, of things that I'm getting into. And uh, anyway, my little caveat. <laughs> uh, okay, so so I woke up one morning. And by the way, the church that I was a part of, they had, there was only a hundred people at that church and the people there jokingly say 110 of them were musicians. <laughs> okay. They had four worship, <laughs> they had four worship leaders out of a hundred people. They had four worship leaders okay. and they had like four different teams, but there was only one drummer, uh, uh, the singers and some of the musicians and keyboard players and stuff, but they needed a bass player, but I didn't really, that, that didn't go into the equation, but I woke up one day and the first thought in my mind was, so God redeemed when I was a thug and I was driving around with the thumping system, you know, that you hear driving down the road and you hear people's trunks of their cars and you're like, right. does that sound better on the inside than the outside? It does. It's kind of fun, but it, it might rattle you loose. <laughs> Um, but God redeemed that. Like I, I liked baselines and stuff, but the first thought that I had was bass lines are cool. I guess bass guitar is cool. I think I want to play bass. Okay. All right. And that's simple enough, but it was a redeemed thing. So I got together with uh, this guy named Dino, who is one of those four worship leaders, Dino Hutchings. He is with the Lord, mighty man of God. There's other stuff I could say about him, but he was a mighty man of God. I showed up at his, he had a used, used music store, uh, used instruments and stuff, some new stuff, um, downtown Springfield, Missouri. And he sold me a $200 bass, showed me the G major scale and said, you just play this. And then you move it around one fret and one fret. And you can play a whole worship song like that. And then he let me play on his worship team a month later. And then I'm, so I'm the only, I'm the only bass player there. So God redeemed this uh, this rebellious desire for the thumping bass lines, and he made me a bass warrior. And there's so much more I could say about that, <laughs> but he redeemed that. So this desire to worship him and to say thank you for redeeming my life, the only way I knew for it to come out, other like I would sing and dance, and I was one of those crazy people, the only person at church that's like up front spinning and dancing and with my eyes closed, like, Lord, just don't let me hit anybody. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even care. 
Uh, I was just, I was oh, radically saved. It was so beautiful. Uh, but the presence of the Lord in worship and, and learning, like I really believe that other than that one major scale, the Holy Spirit taught me how to play bass. Nice. And then it kind of, it kind of grew from there. Um, but that was, that was the seed. And it's just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, bass, bass guitar, just uh, side note, being a musician that I am, and I've had a band and my wife, Mary is an awesome singer, awesome songwriter, keyboard player. She's taught uh, vocals and keyboard and guitar and, and all sorts of music theory and stuff. But we had a band, a ministry band together for a while. Um, but the cool thing about the bass is like old big band music with the upright bass and kind of like the orchestra, but getting into jazz and stuff, it's the bass. It's the bass that, that leads the music and, and yes. that you kind of feel it. And, and I don't know why I'm getting off on this other than I just love it. And it's who <laughs> this calling that God has made me. Uh, and so this desire that was in me for this thing was in me before, but the enemy was trying to just get it to go down the party scene and go down that, that deep, dark hole and party myself to destruction. But God had a redemption for it. It's just so beautiful. It's like evening. I got to say this evening and morning, the, uh, in Genesis, the creation account talks about evening and morning. Right. And even, even in like the Jewish calendar and everything, then the day starts at the evening and then the morning is still part of it. But one thing that I've realized, and, and also uh, I believe Jesus said himself, unless a seed falls into, he was talking about his, his crucifixion and resurrection before he really opened it up. But as a parable, he said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it does, it bears, if it does die, it bears much fruit. And I think I said that to you the other day. Right. It's just like, that's so huge in my life, evening and morning, this death and resurrection, death and resurrection. But it's not just a one thing. Uh, my life, when, when I was down front at that church, the old Chris Como died. I died. And when, when I stood up and wiped the tears away, I was full of joy. I was full of peace that I never experienced. I was full of hope. And I, I, I think I said before, I, I said out loud, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> like God sees me. He knows me. He reads my thoughts. And it was, it was just powerful. Um, so the, the worship thing, I'll, I got one more chapter here, the worst speech ever. Okay. So I said, I said, we're, our story, our testimony is unfolding and we're learning about these things. And I've even wondered about, about Jesus Christ, our Savior, God made flesh, okay? We're coming up on Christmas. We're going to be thinking about the Christ child a lot. Um, when did Jesus realize that he was the son of the living God? I don't remember my first, the first thought I remember, I think I was three or four years old playing hide and go seek, hiding in some clean clothes on the couch. I don't remember too many thoughts before that. Uh, when did Jesus, and also the scripture says, scripture says that, that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered and, and that he also like the, uh, when, when his parents took him to Jerusalem and they were at the temple and Jesus was just conversing with some of, I guess, scribes and Pharisees before, uh, that crew decided not to like him, but they, at that point, they were, they were just astounded by his knowledge. And I think he was about 12 years old. Uh, but he was being 
I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. But at some point, Jesus had to come to an understanding of who he was and a knowing deep within him. But I don't think he had that when he was a baby. So it just blows my mind. And right. I've never heard anybody really teach on that. But because Christ is being formed in us, something that I like about our lives is that we get to discover who God has made us. It's like me trying to tell my testimony, like, when do I jump forward? When do I jump back? Because that's how I live my life. And that's how I think we live our lives as believers. We're like, we, we find out who he's made us to be. The different, like, the different, maybe it's part of the fivefold ministry. Maybe, you know, what gifts has God given us that are without repentance? Uh, so that, that's just a joy. It's like a treasure hunt. Uh, of right. finding the things, finding the aspects of Christ, because we don't all, all have everything, but the Holy Spirit has every gift and every office, and he can flow through us whenever he wants if we're an open vessel. But that's a rabbit trail for another time as well. <laughs> okay, so the worst, the worst speech ever. Uh, my wife and I got to lead worship for a church plant here in town, and this church is still going. It's blessed. They reach out to, to, uh, to a lot of the folks that are marginalized and they just, they do a great job at loving people. They do a great job at worshiping and spirit and in truth. Uh, and we were blessed enough. Me and Mary were blessed enough uh, for the first two and a half years that that church was in existence. We were like the the pioneer founding worship leaders. And uh, about two years in, uh, like a lot of people were being added to the church. We got gifted a 40,000 square foot building from another church that had kind of reached the end of its life cycle and didn't have very many people. And they were praying about someone to give it to. And we were praying for a place just to meet and rent some, some space. So they gave us that and, and not only that 40,000 square foot facility, um, but also with all kinds of classrooms and sanctuary, um, and also, uh, a gymnasium. Uh, and basketball courts and stuff. And it just, nice. it's awesome to reach out to the community. Huge, huge testimony there. Uh, so we had a couple years in, we had this thing. I think, uh, I don't know if it was called Next Level Leadership, but something like that. So we had the, this group of young folks and the pastor asked me, hey, Chris, will you and Mary come and just share with them about how you ended up being the worship leaders at this young, thriving church? <laughs> and we prayed about it. And the only thing, like it was burning in us to tell about all the trials that we had been through. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and then Mary ended up not being able to go. And so I went and I spoke to like, I think it was five young folks that were all like 20 somethings. And the only thing that I got out was, okay, we got to help with this church plant and then it died. And then the Lord opened up this other door and we got to help with these folks in this church plant. And it was good for a while. And then it died. And I said that like four times, <laughs> Wow! however many times. And the pastor literally stopped me and he's like, I think we're going to go a different direction with, with, <laughs> but I kid, I kid you not. I kid you not. I, I believe the Holy spirit. I had like a whole page of notes and all it was, was death. And he wow. wouldn't let me get to the resurrection part. And, and then, and then, but this one young lady was like, this is sounding really bad. And I'm like, well, just wait this. This experience now is different, but I didn't even get to it. Uh, but it's interesting. I really felt bad about that. I'm like, Lord, I know you were telling me to share these things, and I know they were harsh. But getting back to that scripture, I think it's in Hebrews. 
I think it's in Hebrews. I could be wrong, but it, but, but that talks about Jesus learning obedience through the things that he suffered and, and the seed falling into the ground. So I've learned a whole lot of hard lessons about how not to do things and great <laughs> ideas about how to do things different in the future. And so that that's wonderful. But I've met a lot of friends along the way and that's just part of it. But tr- uh, being a pioneer and like even the, like the founding of this country and different viewpoints on that and colonizing and different things and just how harsh it was. And like people are literally dying and, and it's hardcore, but the kingdom of God, getting back to that, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Are we violent physically? No, no, but we have violence forced upon us from this dark age. But the light of God is shining through us, Heath. I see the light. Why am I here? Because the light of God is shining through you. Because God has given you the ability to communicate and to put together a platform like Rocky Mountain Revival Radio and invite people like me on to share the things that God's doing. Okay, so what is, what is God doing now, if I can tie it in with all this? God's bringing the resurrection. The resurrection that wasn't part of that. That was the evening. And now is the morning. Like, Arise and shine for your light has come. <laughs> uh, there, there's light coming in. And uh, I'm so tempted to go into all, all the stuff that the Lord's been speaking to me and showing me. I know I'm not the only one, but his glory that's going to cover the earth, his glory that's going to cover the earth uh, like water the seas. We're seeing it, right? That's why, we're, right. That's why it, says, it says behind us, I can't do it backwards, Rocky, <laughs> Revival Radio. This is just one, when I get blown away when I think about my story, what God, everything that he did, everything, every person he had to bring by my path, you included, and I'm blessed by you, by the way. Thank I love you. you <laughs> Thank you. I love you too, man. Uh, uh, all the people that God had to bring across my path, all the goods and the bads, all the things that I've learned to bring me to where I am now, but I'm not finished because uh like, like even the Apostle Paul said, um, I don't consider to have apprehended or to have received or to attained. But one thing I do, forgetting the things behind, I press on toward the goal to receive the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So that's where we're at. Like we're, wherever listener and watcher, viewer, wherever, wherever you have been and wherever you are right now, God is taking these things. He's made you who you are, but he's the author and finisher of your faith. And he has beautiful plans for you to impact people around you that nobody else can reach. Right. Nobody else can reach the people in your sphere, just like nobody else can reach some of the people in my sphere. And, and it may not happen. It may not happen all the time. Another thought that I have is like some of the Old Testament prophets you know, it says in the, in the day that, or in the year that King Uzziah died, the Lord spoke, this happened. I saw this vision. Um, and then, you know, the next entry is years later. How patient are we for God to do amazing things? Like those who wait, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I just, I, I say this in all the little <laughs> tidbits that I get to record you. I know, I know you keep hearing it, but it's just where I am. Like God is blessing us with if we're not experiencing craziness and like beautiful revival and, and like staying up till two in the morning, praying with people and, and seeing uh, God minister all around us and being a part of that and worshiping and crying our eyes out, 
which that's good. And that is things like that are happening. But if they're not like, it's because he's pouring into us. So I'm all about like, I want to receive everything that you have so that I can pour out. Right. And he's good like that. He is amazing like that. You know, I been sitting here reflecting on a lot of things that you've said, and there's just so many key points in here that I want to try to highlight really quick. And, you know, one of them is of course, um, when, when we accept Jesus and as our Lord and savior and that whole transformative, Ooh, let's try that again. Transformative process. There we go. That Did happens. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's the winner. Um, that happens when we do that, you know, that the, the old life that we have, um, is dead and, and we're, we're really born again as a new person. And, and even the symbolism of water baptism of that, you know, where you, you're here as this, this old, this old person, this old way, and you go into the water, basically dying like Jesus did, and then coming back up a new resurrected person in Christ as Jesus did, you know, out of the grave. And, and so, you know, you commented that, you know, you, you're at that youth thing and you, you came out just like feeling like a whole different person. And so really who we are, that old person is, is no more. And that moment begins that journey of trying to figure out. And that's, that's the frustrating thing for me sometimes trying to figure out God's plan. Um, because he has one, you know, he, he knew who you were before he even put you together in your mother's womb. He knew who you were. He knew the number of hairs on your head. He knows all these things. He has this plan for you and a plan to prosper you and a plan to bring you all the desires of your heart. And so it's your job then to press into him and continue to seek him on a daily basis um, to figure out what that plan and purpose is. Um, we've talked about some of these concepts in previous shows about, you know, that God, God blesses you in certain ways or God gifts people in certain ways. And, you know, um, there, there are things that happen in our lives that kind of point us that way. But the one thing that, that God doesn't do is come in with a lot of pomp and circumstance in your life. You know, it's up to you to figure out um, this is what it is. And, and, you know, hearing your testimony going, wow, you know, I'm 45 and I'm still kind of figuring things out. And I'm like, gee, I'm 50 and I'm still like, <laughs> just figure, I'm still figuring it out. Like um, there's been more revealed to me in the last year than there has in the last 49 prior years. And, and again, I don't know, you know, that, that I've even fully pulled back all the things that God has for me and has planned for me. And, and the fact that we can go every day to the end of our lives and still not achieve that, that pinnacle level of this is everything that God had for me because every day there's something new. There's a new way that he's going to use you. There's a new way he's going to bless you. And it's just so incredible that um, you never get to the finish line of that race. Um, you know, when we're, when we're in, in this body on this earth, you're never going to reach that tape that says, yes, I did it. I got it. I achieved all the stuff because even to your last breath, God can use you for something else and still change your life and impact lives around you, um, to your dying breath. And, and that's just incredible that God, God does that. Um, you know, and definitely, I loved your, your, um, your bad speech. I got to say that, <laughs> that actually, <laughs> you know, but I think, I think in some ways we've all been there. Like we, we've, you know, gone in to inspire somebody and, you know, use 
use our our exploits, our defeats, our challenges in, in a way to give someone hope. And the theme of the story isn't at all how we had it in our head or how we had it on paper. And and as we're delivering that message, like, ooh, that that didn't that sounded much better up here. Um and so I, I really, really enjoyed that because I didn't feel quite so alone because every once in a while I do that with some of my stories. So well, that blesses me. I'm glad I shared it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am too. Um I Man, I just really am so thankful to have you on the show today. Um, and this has definitely been an amazing testimony. And I know that there are plenty more layers that we could peel back and a lot of these points that we could actually sit and talk about for hours as far as the work that God uh, has done in your life and the change that he's He's made for you and in you and through you. Um, and, and it is definitely a blessing and an honor to to have you as part of the Rocky Mountain Revival family um, and to to see your ministry moments and to, to see how you're, you know, impacting your local sphere. And, and we're going to start a series um hopefully next week um uh basically how you can be missional in your local sphere of influence whether you're you know uh, here or in another country wherever all this stuff is going to translate easily to where you're at from your work to your school to church to government to the whole nine yards uh, there's there's seven points of influence um, that we're going to get into and talk about and so um, I think you know and as we go through that series we're going to add in some more testimony as well because again I still am a very firm believer that testimony is probably one of the most powerful and transformative ways that we can impact somebody um, I mean, yes, we can pray for people. Yes, we can, you know, intercede. Yes, we can we can do all these things. But I think there's something special that God does when we share testimony. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it does nothing but give him glory and give him the honor of the transformation that's happened in your life. And, and if you had asked me two years ago, um, you know, if I'd be sitting here on a show, uh, you know, a faith-based broadcast, um, that was given to me, you know, the idea was given to us through the Holy Spirit, I'd have been like, no, that's not going to happen in my life. And yet here I am. And, you know, every week there, it seems like there's some new thing that he's doing. And so, um, you know, I guess my my word of wisdom, my takeaway from this, um, if you're not saved and you're struggling, um, maybe you should really pause and reflect upon your life a little bit not condemning, not judging. That's not my place. Um, but I, I know that there's better for you. I know that God has a plan for you. He wants to give you these amazing things. Um, that's part of his plan for your life. And the sooner you wake up and you accept that, um, I think the better your life's going to be. Um, and for those that that are believers, those that have been uh, chased after God, you know, if you haven't been water baptized, I highly suggest that as well. Um, that is actually biblical. Um, we should be doing that as believers. And so I'm going to recommend that as well. I'm also going to recommend just continue to press in. Um, you know, if you've got questions, we we here at the show would love to answer questions you've got or, or point you in the direction of 
of a great resource. Um, you know, and, and, and again, I'm going to mention the same thing we mentioned at the end of every show, getting yourself into a good Bible believing, Bible teaching, Holy Spirit led church, you know, serving your fellow man through community service or serving in your church. All those things are going to help you along your way and in, in your growth. And probably I think the biggest impact in my growth has been through men's group. Um, and so, you know, get yourself into a into a group at church and get yourself surrounded by some more believers um, because that's going to impact your relationship with God in a way that you can't even imagine. Um, I remember coming to Radiant the first time and, and meeting Sean and him and Pastor Paul were both like, hey, we do this men's group and we'd love to have you. And Lala, I'm like, man, I don't really need a men's group. Like, what am I going to do with that in my life? Like, what am I going to get out of that? And I can tell you now that I thrive because of that group. I survive because of that group. It gives me the skills, the tools I need, you know, that iron sharpens iron thing to, to continue to go out every day and do the work that God asked me to do. And so um, just little nuggets of wisdom as we've kind of been talking testimony and, and faith this evening. Um, any final thoughts before we pray out the show and, and close it out, Chris? Well... I think I mentioned something earlier about the fingerprints of God, right? Yep, you did. Okay, so so normal co-host Michael, love you, Michael. Um, he told me the other day uh, to look up something about looking up the Hebrew and Greek relating to a certain number, and I said I'll do that. So I did that just today. I only got to the first number of like eight in the list. But uh, right after uh, the testimony that I shared, it's just a little fingerprint of God moment. Um, okay, you, Heath, you felt led to talk about baptism, and you said that multiple times. So the Greek, uh, the origin of the word baptize in the Greek, which would be the New Testament, uh, most portions of that, um, is to dip or to baptize. Guess what number in he uh, in Greek in the Strong's that is, based on our conversation earlier. I'm guessing there's a nine and a one in there somewhere, <laughs> just because how you talk about numbers. Nine one one. Nine one one. Really? Okay, that yes, makes a lot of to sense. Dip and to baptize, and so that is the Holy Spirit saying it's important because it identifies us with Christ's death. That death the burial and the resurrection. Right. Uh, you don't want to stay in the death. That's what we've been talking about. Right. So, and I think I might want to pray into this. We want to go to the resurrection part. Um, so maybe I, maybe I pray us out if that's all right. Yeah, actually, I think I, I've given my final thoughts. So why don't you go ahead and pray for us? And when we're done praying, we'll go ahead and uh, do the closing housekeeping and we'll, we'll go from there. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, heavenly father, we thank you. In the mighty, mighty name of your Son, your one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit that indwells us and changes us and resurrects us, I pray that these things would be made real to people, uh, not because the words that me and Heath have said tonight, but because your word is true and it won't return void, but it will accomplish everything that you set it out to do. Yes. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be moving in people's hearts right now the awesome fire of the Holy Spirit would baptize people and that they would they would come to faith in Jesus Christ or they would be brought nearer to Jesus Christ, be nearer to Abba, our Heavenly Father, our Daddy, 
who loves us so intimately, uh, with the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, we ask, God, that you would move on hearts. I pray that you would bring resurrection life in people's lives. I pray the power of God to bring freedom and deliverance and victory. I pray that they would be overcomers, and I pray that they would overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. They would overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I pray, God, that you would, uh, you would work in their lives and give them opportunity whenever they're asked for a reason of why they're so happy, of why they have a smile on their face, of why they have hope that the testimony of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy, would come out of their mouths, the work of God in their lives. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I, I love this episode. Um, and I haven't even watched back the final thing yet, so I can say it, but I can say it, I was here and I love it. And again, I just want to thank you, Chris, for joining me tonight and, and being the, the honorary co-host this evening and our first guest in the testimony series. Um, and as we close out the show, like we always do, remember to check out rmr.live for the latest information and updates about all the show's happenings um, and all the press releases that we're doing uh, when we volunteer with Redemption Squad and everything else. Uh, we're trying to give more um, attention to some of those things. Like and subscribe to the show's YouTube page because, again, that helps us um, you know, spread the message a little more. And also um, that whole monetization piece is big for the show as well. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. You can find it on the site. Podcast listeners, again, we thank each and every one of you listening around the globe. And we are so very honored that you give uh, your time to us and the Lord uh, tuning in every week. We thank you for that. Uh, if you like the show's content, feel led to donate to us. There are other links to do so on the website. All donations go to hosting fees, software, equipment, and also a percentage of those donations we are giving to Redemption Squad to help support that ministry as well. Um, and, and I failed to mention the commercials earlier. Michael's normally good about the commercial content. I'm good about reminding everybody down below. So the links to Redemption Squad, Valentine Comfort Shoes, and the uh, Holy Rebel book, um, as well as Destiny Music's links, are all going to be down below in the show description. So check those out. Support those guys because we love Love them. Uh, we hope you do too. Remember, guys, get yourself into a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Holy Spirit-led church. Plug into groups and discipleship opportunities and serve in any way we can. Any way you can, we can. Let's just get out there and serve. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We hope you have a great week and be blessed. Rocky Mountain Revival Radio.